good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great that you could join us from home today. Um, it's pretty awesome that even though we can't gather here in person, there's only a couple people here in the building today um, that we can still gather in this way. Um, I guess even 20 years ago, maybe even 10, we wouldn't even have been able to do this. So it's pretty awesome that we have this um, to, to bless us as a church family um, to still be able to gather. So even though we are in lockdown and we're pretty limited in the places that we're allowed to go at the moment, I wonder if you can think um, of a place for you that's really meaningful, that, that you love to go um, to renew you, um, to restore you, that gives you peace. Um, for a lot of people, I think this is the beach, um, and that's fantastic. I do like the beach, but I'm also a bit scared of it. Uh, for me, actually, it is... Uh, it's rivers. I love being by rivers. I am a country girl. I grew up in the country surrounded by mountains and, and rivers and things like this. And I think that's why I love sitting by a river uh, with its lush green surrounds. Um, that feels like home to me. Um, mountains and rivers and re green rolling hills. That's, that's where I'm from and it feels like home. So when I'm by a river, I find so much peace there. Um, I love hearing the rush of the water as it goes past. I love watching it gently uh, moving by, or at least appearing to gently move by. I love the smell of that fresh water and that fresh country air, and I love feeling the green grass in my toes. Um, when I used to work a job where I would work morning and afternoon shifts and I'd have time in the middle of the day, sometimes I'd go and just sit by a river. I was blessed to grow up around amazing rivers. Um, so I'd go and I would just sit by a river or nap by a river or read by a river. Uh, and that was always such a life-giving place for me. And rivers literally are life-giving places. Uh, they bring water, obviously, and nourishment to the plants around them. Um, even in the middle of a drought, when everything else is dead and everything is brown, you'll know that there's a river because there's this thin vein of green running through um, all of the brown stuff. Um, if, if there's still water in the river, that is, because it, it still brings uh, nourishment and life to the plant, the plants on the riverbed. So the psalm that we read out earlier, that uh, Brett made an awesome video uh, for the Bible reading today. So that psalm uses this imagery of a river to talk about Scripture, to talk about God's Word. Um, it says, Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I think that imagery is just fantastic, that God's law, God's word is this life-giving, nourishing place, and that a person who meditates on God's word is like these beautiful, lush trees that grow by a river, um, whose roots dig deep into the riverbed, and they are nourished, and they grow strong, and they bear fruit. It's this beautiful picture of God's word being the river that nourishes and people, us, as being the trees that are nourished by it and as the ones who bear fruit because of it. So at the moment, we're, it, we're in this series about engaging with the Bible and last week, um, 
we, we, uh, we talked about, uh, it, Tim started the series on engaging with the Bible, and I just wanted to start with that picture today, this picture of this river as we continue on this series, um, because the Bible is a rich and a life-giving and a spiritually nourishing text. But to be honest and to be frank, it can also be pretty difficult to understand. And therefore, at least for me anyway, there's been times that it can be difficult to find the motivation to read it because it can be at times so hard to understand. There are people out there who dedicate their whole lives to learning to interpret Scripture um, because there is so much. You could spend your whole life learning and reading because there is so much to understand about it. We talked about this last week. Tim talked about how um, the Bible was written uh, across so many years, such a long time span. It was written in uh, many different cultures and in different ancient languages. Um, he talked about how it contains lots of different types of writing as well, narrative and poetry and prose. And it's written in a way that's so different to the way that we write today. So all of this means that it can be a bit difficult to understand what the original authors of the Bible were getting at. Sometimes it can be a bit tricky to understand it. And in many ways, I think it probably would have just been easier if God himself wrote the book in his own hand, in, in, you know, up in heaven, wrote the, wrote the Bible in modern English so that we could understand it. And, and he just said exactly what he meant and, and exactly literally what he meant. And then he just dropped it from the sky. That would have been maybe a lot easier. Maybe we wouldn't have interpretation issues. Maybe we wouldn't have questions that we argue about, like, you know, do we take this part literally or not? Or maybe that was just for that time and that context. Or, or maybe it's for all time and we don't know. And, and we wouldn't have to sort of work all these things out and argue about it at times because, well, God just dropped it from the sky one day. Uh, and it's perfectly understandable in our time here and now. All of the instructions are there. All of the things that we need to know are there. Full stop, end of story. That would perhaps be easier. But interestingly, that's not what God chose to do. No, God chose the medium and the technology available to the people of that time to reveal himself. I guess if he wanted to, he could have come in 2021 and he could have recorded himself with our modern technology that we have these days and he could have maybe Zoomed with all of us, Zoomed with the whole world, but he actually didn't choose to do that. God in his wisdom and for his purposes, God in his wisdom for his purposes revealed himself in the time that he did. And these things were recorded in their various forms and various languages and styles, and they were passed along and translated and interpreted. And here we are in 2021 with this ancient, Eastern, foreign text that has been interpreted and translated to English. And here we have it. And then now we, with our modern, Western, post-enlightenment minds, we must attempt to understand it, which frankly is not always an easy thing to do. But my hope today is to give us just one simple method that we can use to engage with the Bible personally. Tim spoke last week about reading the Bible in community and the important, importance of reading it with other people. 
Um, but today we're going to talk about how uh, reading the Bible personally, um, engaging with the Bible personally is also um, really important as well. So the word that the psalmist used from that psalm from before, the word that, uh, that they used when talking about engaging with Scripture is the word meditate. He said, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of living water. Now, when we talk about, when we use this word meditating today, sometimes it can bring up images of like maybe new agey type folk and wearing sort of funny clothes and humming and emptying their minds and et cetera, et cetera. And it's maybe kind of a, a pagan thing that comes to mind. It's important to know that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, I think we need to reclaim that word meditate because it's actually something that, um, that that it's an ancient practice that Christians have been using for a long, long time as a way of engaging with Scripture. Meditating on Scripture involves sitting with a passage for some time, mulling over it, reading it, and reading it again, reading it out loud and reading it slowly, and, and picking up on things that you might miss the first time that you read it especially if you're reading it quickly. Have you ever noticed that when you re-watch a movie that you've seen before, but you pick up something that you hadn't noticed last time? Uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm re-watching uh, the Marvel superhero movies with, with mum during lockdown. In when we're not watching the Olympics, we'll watch some Marvel movies. And even though I've seen them before, every time I pick up something that I hadn't noticed last time, some detail or, or some line, it suddenly clicks and I go, oh, Okay, that makes sense. I didn't, I didn't realize that before. It could be that or it could be that I've just got a terrible memory and that's quite possible as well. But each time I pick up something new and something different. Well, it's interesting that that's actually how these ancient Jewish texts were designed to be read. Not just once and then move along in a hurry, like off to the next thing. Like I don't have much time. I just want to get this Bible reading ticked off my to-do list. When we read that way, we actually, we tend to miss so much of the meaning. You see, ancient Jewish texts were written in a way um, that means that there's layers and layers and layers of meaning, and there's more and more depth to discover. There's symbols and there's words that are used in certain ways and put in certain places and there's stories that are told with certain details and, and they're placed in certain orders for certain reasons and there's just really rich meaning in the way the scriptures are written. And we're actually supposed to read it and reread it and reread it again and sit with it and discover more and more and more of that meaning that's in it. So that's where this idea of meditating on Scripture comes from. It's not just reading it once and taking it at face value, oh, yep, I understand that, and moving along like we would most modern pieces of writing, because this isn't a modern piece of writing, is it? Scripture is written in a way that invites us to sit with it, to read it again and again, to notice things about it, to ask questions of it, why does it mention this? Why, why does it say it like that? It wants us to notice how it makes us feel. It is literally like interacting with Scripture. That's what it wants us to do with it. That's how it was designed. 
I heard someone say recently that scripture is a living, breathing thing and therefore something we can interact with. And we go, well, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, it's a book. It doesn't have lungs. It can't breathe. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense at all. But didn't Paul say to Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed? The writer of Hebrews said that scripture is living and active. Scripture is something that we can interact with on a spiritual level. That's how God made it. Yes, it was written by people, we know that, but God inspired it, God breathed it. His spirit brings it to life and in that way it is alive and we can interact with it in our spirits too. It is a spiritual text, alive and active with more and more levels of depth to discover. It's kind of like a river moving and nourishing and bringing life And those who interact with it on this spiritual level, like how it was designed, those who meditate on it are like the trees that are being nourished by the river and they grow and bear fruit. God's word is alive and it brings life. So in order to interact with scripture in this way, a spiritual text, which is how it was intended to be used, it sometimes means that we have to throw off some of the ways that we've been conditioned to read in 21st century Western civilization. What do I mean by that? Well, from about the time of the Enlightenment in human history, so that was in about the 17th and 18th centuries, modern Western ways of thinking were born. So much of the way our modern Western world works is because of this period of time called the Enlightenment that happened in Europe. And modern Western ways of thinking were born. So modern Western ways of thinking are very literal and very cerebral. We prefer to use reason and logic to interpret the things around us. And that's good and that's, that's fine and it's actually contributed to so many of the amazing advancements in technology and science and medicine that we have and, and that's great. But maybe what was lost or, or, or maybe just considered less important um, was the pre-enlightenment way of thinking that tended to be more spiritual among other things. So our society tends to elevate looking at things through reason and logic above looking at things through a spiritual lens. So when we approach this ancient spiritual text, the Bible, with that mindset, that post-enlightenment mindset, we actually can tend to miss a lot of things. We can miss the depth and the layers of meaning and the spiritual nature of this ancient Jewish text. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, Paul talks about a wisdom that comes from God. And it's a wisdom that looks like foolishness to the apparently wise of the world. So he talks about a spiritual wisdom that comes from God. And it helps us to understand the mysteries of God, the things that the world's wisdom just simply cannot understand. It's a long passage, but we're just going to read a little, a little chunk of it. So this is from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2, verse 10 to 16. And this is Paul writing. He says, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So Paul makes it quite clear that there is a wisdom of the world that appears very wise. It appears very wise, but it simply cannot understand the mysteries of God. No, for that, we need spiritual wisdom, like Paul talks about. We need to engage not just with our minds, which is a very modern Western way, and it's, and it's actually what we've been conditioned to do since we were kids, No, to understand the things of God, we need to engage with our spirits. We need to engage with the Holy Spirit as He teaches us to understand the mysteries and the wisdom of God. These things are foolishness to the person who doesn't know how to discern with their spirit through God's spirit. The Bible is a spiritual text with many layers of meaning, with many mysteries to discover. And that is how God designed it. He chose it to be this way for a reason. When we learn to engage with the Bible, with our spirits, through the help of the Holy Spirit, we start to discover the depth of life and wisdom that the Bible holds. And as we learn to meditate on it, as the psalmist said, to sit with it, to let the meaning wash over us and we become like those trees planted by streams of water, being nourished and growing tall and bearing much fruit. So I want to be a little bit honest for a moment and say that at times I've had kind of a rocky relationship with Scripture. I am a true child of the Enlightenment, if you will. I'm a modern thinker, a Western thinker, and I find it much easier, naturally much easier to engage with things through logic and through reason than through a spiritual means. I'm not naturally very arty or creative, and I sometimes miss meaning where other people see it. Sometimes I can be looking at an artwork or listening to poetry, um, and somebody else might be there looking at the same artwork or listening to the same poetry, and to them, it's speaking to them on some deep level that I apparently just have not accessed yet, um, because all I see is a a painting with squiggles and lines and, you know, faces, or or all I see is, all, all I'm hearing in the poetry is just words and sentences strung together that don't make a whole lot of sense to me. My brain is naturally really logical, and it, and it doesn't come naturally to me to see with my spiritual eyes rather than just my physical eyes, to think with my spiritual mind and not just my logical mind. It's kind of like when Lucy first discovers Narnia um, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and she discovers Narnia before the other children. 
And Peter and Susan do not believe her um, about this magical land in the wardrobe that Lucy has found. And they're kind of worried about her and they're trying to tell the professor that maybe she's gone a little bit crazy or, or something because logic dictates that it just can't be true. There cannot be a magical land in the wardrobe. And meanwhile, the professor who has been to Narnia himself before, he's frustrated with Peter and Susan because he knows that worldly logic just does not apply to this situation. Well, I am more like Peter and Susan. I resonate with Peter and Susan in this story um, more than Lucy or the professor. Um, I want to think logically because it's safe. I understand it. I can control it. There's no mystery there, and therefore there's nothing to fear. Everything can be made sense of. Everything has a box that it neatly fits into. Perhaps this is what C.S. Lewis was getting at. That yes, using our logical brains is safe and controllable, but it doesn't help much when accessing or experiencing the mysteries of God. Perhaps this is also why I've struggled with Scripture at times. Because my logical brain tells me that it can only be understood a certain way. There's only a certain way to understand it. Or sometimes I've thought, you know, because it was written by imperfect people and, and then it's been interpreted by in, and translated by imperfect people, well, worldly logic tells me that maybe, therefore, it can't be fully trusted. These are thoughts that I've had at times. But what I've come to understand what I've come to understand is that I can't only engage with my logical brain when it comes to the Bible, which is what comes most naturally to me. And although there are times, there are definitely times and places for that, but what I'm coming to understand is that the Bible is a spiritual work, a work breathed by God's Spirit, and therefore I can trust it and I can engage with it through His Spirit. And I can understand, I can learn to understand what God is saying to me through it. Just like what Paul spoke about in that passage, I need to engage with the things of the Spirit in order to understand the things of the Spirit. Worldly wisdom just doesn't always cut it. The Bible, the Word of God, it is living and active. We can interact with it. We can peel back its layers and, and discover its depth and the beauty and, and the life that's within it because it is alive and it gives life. So the invitation to us today is to learn to interact with the Bible, with Scripture on a spiritual level, not just a cerebral one. And the way that we can do that is through this practice of meditating on Scripture. And again, in this context, meditating is not about emptying our minds. Um, it's actually about being filled with God, being filled with the things of God and God's Word. So to get really practical, I thought that we could just look at some ways that we can meditate on Scripture. This is not exhaustive, and maybe you've got other ways that you like to do it as well, but here's some ways that we can meditate on Scripture. So the first thing is that we come to Scripture with an openness to God. So not assuming that we already know all of the things, uh, because we probably don't. We need to become aware of the assumptions and the preconceived ideas that we so often bring to the Bible. We need to try and let those things go as much as we can. We don't want to read our own preconceived meanings into Scripture. We want to read, we want to discover the meaning of Scripture that's already there. 
we can also ask the Holy Spirit to guide us as we read. Ask him to help you see what he wants you to see. And pick your passage as well. Maybe you're already um, doing a, a reading plan through the Bible. So maybe you've already got a passage, you know, that you can use or you could choose a psalm. Um, I like, love to read from a gospel where Jesus interacts with somebody um, or you could read from a letter or anywhere, anywhere. But uh, pick a passage and then read that passage slowly. You could read it out loud. Uh, but read it a few times slowly. Fight that cultural need within us to make everything fast. I know this could sound a bit mundane, but fight that instinct to want to just do it fast and get it over and done with. This is an invitation to slow down. So read slowly a few times. You could picture yourself in the story. A lot of people love to do this. Picture yourself in the story. And, and when you imagine yourself in the story, what are the things that you notice? What are the things that you see? Or you could ask yourself as you read the passage, you know, what, what do you notice about the passage? Is there a word or a phrase or a detail that sticks out to you for some reason? Are you drawn to something about the passage for some reason? What resonates within you? What, what questions do you have about the passage? How does it make you feel? It's good to notice these things. Notice how you feel and write it down and ask why you feel that way. Why you have that question. And then just sit with it, meditate on it, which just means think about it <laughs> for a while. Think about it for a while. Sit with the thoughts, the questions, the feelings. Pray and ask God for wisdom and guidance. And most importantly, allow yourself in that moment to be aware of God's love and grace towards you. Remember, this is a spiritual practice, so we engage with our spirits and not just our brains. And then write these things down. Write down the thoughts, the questions, the feelings. So these things, these practices, they take time and they take practice. They do. There's a reason it's called spiritual discipline. Um, and especially for someone like me who interacting in this way with Scripture actually doesn't come so naturally to me. But it's so worth it and it's so worth to learn to do, to do it, to stick at it to peel back these many layers of Scripture, to discover more of the depth and the beauty of this ancient spiritual document that God uses to speak to us. And remember that this is how God chose to reveal Himself. He, he didn't come through YouTube or Zoom, but through these ancient spiritual writings. This is how He revealed Himself. And I think He did that for a reason as well. I think there might be an invitation to us there for us to come and meet with him within the pages of Scripture, to discover the depth and the beauty of these passages as his spirit speaks to our spirit. So I just want to finish by remembering that image of the river that we talked about at the start. The river that as that place of peace and life and nourishment and beauty the river that gives life to everything around it. It sustains life. It makes the trees grow tall so that they produce good fruit. Well, the promise to us is that those who meditate on God's word will be nourished like those trees by the river. We receive life and sustenance from the word of God when we engage with it on a spiritual level. 
like how it was designed. God's word is alive and it gives life. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you that this is how you've chosen your wisdom and your goodness. This is how you chose to reveal yourself. In this ancient spiritual text that we can interact with and engage with, that we can peel back the layers and understand more and more of the meaning and get to know you more and more, God, your character and your goodness and your grace and your mercy, your love. God, I pray that you would help us to engage with Scripture in this way. That we would be able to throw off some of the, the mindsets that are just a product of our culture where we just want to think with our, more with our brains and with logic and reason and w- through our spirit. I pray that you would help us to throw that off, that we might engage with the spiritual text through our spirits, that we might meet with your spirit in these pages. God, would you speak to us through your word? Help us to meditate on your word, God, that we might become like those trees planted by the river, that we might be nourished by it, that we might grow tall and strong, that we might bear amazing fruit in your name, Jesus. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word for us today. In Jesus' name.